In a land far away, once upon a time, Brendan, Vicky, be partners in crime. We danced through life like, like a couple of gays. But as time went by, we went our separate ways. Now we're back together, talking about whatever, talking about the music that, that we, we love forever. Hooking you up like a telephone jack. Everybody listen up, we'll get back on track. Hi everyone, I'm Brendan Ransom Walsh, and this is Vicky B, and we're here with Back on Track our new podcast radio show extravaganza we are going to reminisce and chat about all of the music and moments that bookmark our lives absolutely the tracks that mean the most to us as lgbt community members as as people as 80s babies as music enthusiasts the whole bit yeah we're Um. total geeks here and we're going to geek out and we're going to share our favorite top tracks with you we're going to throw down track by track and and um, then we're going to put it all together in a, in a playlist on Spotify so you can enjoy. Yeah, you know, there's, there's moments in your life that are really, they're really punctuated by the songs that you're listening to, what's playing on the radio, what's blasting through the speakers in the club, um, you know, what your friend played for you, the, the mixtape that somebody made for you. And they, they, whenever you think of these memories, you go back to these songs. And we're really like sort of mining like what's, the, what's at the meat of, yeah. of the, this music that's in our lives. Yeah, tell me, I'm curious. Vicky, what was your first? Uh, do you remember your first concert, live concert? Oh, my, my first concert was Paula Abdul's Hello. Under My Spell tour. What an amazing oh. entree! I was and I was in. <laughs> I, I, I had a full fit that night because the woman in front of me had one of those. It was really in, in vogue at the time. Uh, the one uh-huh. of those gigantic high waterfall ponytails. Oh, yes. and I was really short and I couldn't see over her, so I had to stand in the back of my chair the whole entire time. But I was screaming. Did you have someone behind you? I, probably, but yeah. I didn't. I I mean, I was screaming, and I was probably, I think it was in the seventh row. Amazing. It was amazing. Oh, my God. The seventh row? Yeah. Paula Abdul at Riverside Park, which is now Six Flags New England. Oh, hello. (laughs) Do you remember who opened for her? Uh, K seven, uh, come baby, come baby, baby, come, oh, come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they open. I didn't know what they, who they were, or what they were talking about. All I right. knew is that they were in between me and Paula, yeah. and they had to go <laughs> in between me and Paula. Yeah. Well, I remember this is so random. My first live concert was Meatloaf. Whoa, that out of hell too. Yeah, <laughs> LGBT. Okay, hello. <laughs> and of course, like I mean, I was excited to go to an arena. I was excited to see a concert. I don't know that it was like my favorite catalog. I was young. I didn't understand all of it, but. It was certainly shortly after the um, uh, I Would Do Anything for Love uh, moment that happened. And, oh, my God, I lived for that song, especially for the lead female vocalist. I don't even remember her name anymore, which is a shame, but we should look it up later. That's crazy Um, that you're talking about that right now. When she came out on stage, I lost it. Like, that was the moment I lived for. Oh, man. She was a a sex pot. Yeah. I Kind of in drag, really, when you think about it. Yeah, well, it's so funny that you mentioned that because as I was walking down the street to get here today, I was thinking about, I don't know why I was thinking about meatloaf and about Bonnie Tyler. Think of eating meatloaf? No, I was thinking about meatloaf, the man, (laughs) the myth, the legend. Um, And Bonnie Tyler, who I think that was supposed to have been. You know why I was thinking about this? Bonnie Tyler was supposed to have been what? I think that was supposed to have been Bonnie Tyler's vocal on that track. Really? I don't I don't know, but I heard somewhere. I like I, it. It's a good rumor. We should well, start it. Well, it sounds a lot like her, don't you sure. think? Anyway, I was thinking about Celine Dion, and I was thinking about um, it's all coming back to me now. Well, Jim Steinman? Mm, Jim Steinman. Steinman. Who did the Bad Out of, out of Hell album. Well, yeah, and then, that, and then the song for Celine, which you know there's a whole beef with Meatloaf on that. Well, beef, Is that meatloaf? true? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, no, it was written, you know, it was, I think it was originally written for Meatloaf, and, um, or Meatloaf Believes it was written for meatloaf. <laughs> I think uh, that's what we should say. Uh, and apparently, um, he was really upset that it went to Celine, and his relationship with Jim was really damaged. I think over that track. Well, Celine certainly wasn't damaged over that track. Well, Celine can do no wrong. Her I mean, bank account was on fire. Fire, and the oh man, yeah, that was everything. So I'm really excited to do this. We are going to. Um, oh, oh my gosh, Kyle, my lovely brother and Hi, producer. Kyle. Hey, Kiki. Um, <laughs> uh, we uh, he just he just informed us that this is the connection. Uh, Jim also wrote "Total Eclipse of the Heart." Bonnie Tyler. Bonnie Tyler, and that is, I'm sure, one of the go. sonic connections you're making. They must have been. They must yeah. have had drinks together constantly. I'm sure they got margaritas and burritos. <laughs> let's margaritas let's be burrito. real. But we are going to have a nostalgic Kiki here, and I think we're going to start our first episode off with the icon of all icons, Madonna. 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 How can you talk about music, entertainment, or LGBT community without addressing the queen herself? 
It's true. I have to say, I'm a little um, conflicted on... I'm not actually, that's not true. I'm not conflicted about Madonna. I do love her. But there always is something, I think we should just talk about this before we get into the songs. Mm -hmm. I always feel like there's a little bit of, um, I don't know, judgment around her. Like, it's so expected that, you know, especially if you're gay or you're queer or whatever, like, it's Madonna, it's this whole thing, and people sort of, you know, there's like a level of taste. I don't know. I can't even really articulate what I'm trying to say, except I love her and I kind of love to geek out about her and I feel this much embarrassed about it at the same time. Yeah, well, I think that I think that we've always admired her because of her honesty, um, especially as 80s babies growing up in, in, a, in, a, in a time that was so sort of like um, superficial and... And, and blown out of proportion, she was always the, the voice of reason, like, let's get real. This is what's really going on. Well, and also uh, us ha- all having the, had the experience of coming out of the closet and done a certain amount of introspection on ourselves, Madonna was always mining the depths of her soul, trying to become more comfortable with her sexuality, trying to uh, explore... Um, you know, androgyny and hypocrisy and and fame and all of these things. And I think that we can really relate to the struggles that she lives out on the screen and in music videos and in her songs. Completely. I totally agree. I think that it's... um She's a real, it's one of those things where you put yourself out there and you're held to this standard that's almost, you know, impossible. And if you really just reframe and look at this as somebody who's, you know, doing their thing and contributing in the way they can and exploring ideas, I mean, she's done a pretty stellar job across, you know, 30 some years of a career. All right. So Madonna, there's just, there's so much to talk about. Um, So I think we should get right to it with um, some of our favorite tracks. So uh, Vicky... Yeah, let's go Give ahead it and to me. start with me. As soon as I found out we were doing this list, my favorite Madonna song of all time, and I will add also the first number that I did as a professional drag queen was Nothing Really Matters from the album Ray of Light. found its way on that album in 1998. That was her big comeback after having had her baby, Lourdes. Um, We hadn't seen her for a while. The last full-length album from her was Bedtime Stories. And so she went through a big, giant, spiritual um, overhaul of her her entire life. She started doing yoga. She started uh, studying uh, Jewish mysticism, the Kabbalah. She'd also done... um a lot of work just musically uh, with, with Avita and everything that sort of inspired her to move in new directions. Right, right. Yeah, this album found her like fresh out the gates with a newly uh, musical theater trained voice and she was using parts of her voice that she admitted that she didn't even realize that she had. She wasn't using her full range. Right. So all of a sudden we get songs um, on, this, on this new album that find her really breathy, really ethereal and, and she uses her head voice in a lot of the tracks and anyway, this song, nothing really matters it's like nestled right in the middle track seven or eight and i always wind up liking track seven or eight of albums and i don't know why and also i think i think it's because you probably i feel like track seven or eight is something typically an artist really cares about the label doesn't yeah and um no one's going to give it a prime spot it's not a closer it's not an opener Uh but like because you're a real fan you end up relating to this like little hidden gem that's somewhere shoved inside the album that's so spot on that's so spot on and will also it I also tend to like from her and from a lot of artists uh, singles that come out late in the the album cycle. And this was, I think, this was the last album from from the Ray of Light album cycle. The um, last single, yeah, I think this yeah. is the last single from from the Ray of Light album cycle. I think. Well, this this brings up a point. I mean, there's so much to talk about Ray of Light. We're going to talk about a bunch of other songs too in a minute. I think I'm sure they'll come up. But just on nothing really matters. It's so interesting to me on that song. Like, what happened? Like. Uh, Especially because everybody remembers the geisha look, the red with the straight, long black hair, and it was a look. I mean, when you go and look at, you know, the Madonna iconic, you know, 
eras. Um, everyone always throws that into the mix, and yet mm-hmm. the song just didn't really take off. It got lost in the shuffle. What happened? Well, th- th- that's crazy. I wish I knew what happened. I don't understand what happened. I mean, she performed that song um, at the Grammys the year that she won all of those Grammys. I mean, I think those were her first Grammy wins, and she did that. She performed that song with Donna and Nikki live on the Grammys that year. Was that a combined performance, or was that just the only song she did? I'm not sure. I think it was the only song that she did. She was, was it MTV wearing... that she did the Ray of Light with the um, with the chanting in the beginning? That was the MTV VMAs. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. With that hideous white wife beater. Sorry. <laughs> white beater is terrible words. White yeah. tank top. Well, she, and she wore a trash bag doing Om Shanti. Like, oh, my the very God. Of it. I know, I know. But it was for the big It was reveal. like a weird Missy Elliott Eminem moment. I don't, honey, I don't know. And there were moments where her stylist must have been, you know, I don't know. They were, oh, and then you can see the nipples. I mean, we've all seen them before, but it was just... They were like sand dollars. It was weird. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> this performance, uh, she were in the John Paul Gaultier, uh, the kimono, mm-hmm. and um, she's never done it since. She's never done it live since. She did, I saw her in, in uh, 2001 on the Drowned World Tour. It was my first time seeing Madonna. I had never seen her before. It changed my life. Um, and I knew that she was going to do the whole geisha section wearing the red kimono. But, and it was crazy that there was a whole entire section of the concert built around this idea of the whole geisha concept. And then she took the song that introduced it and she didn't even perform it. That was my favorite song from Ray of Light and the number one track. Lay of Light. Lay of Light. (laughs) Oh, honey. Inappropriate. (laughs) Reflecting on Carlos Leon, Lay of Light. Um, but no, that I mean, it was my favorite. It's my favorite song from her because it's so it's so truthful. It's about like I mean, listen, lo- nothing really matters. Love is all we need. That's what it all boils down to. It's about it's about her daughter. Um, it's 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 about the awakening that she's had. It's, who, by the way, is now in college? Let's talk about how weird that is. Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah she's in. She co- is gorgeous. She's going to University of Michigan, right? She is, and um. She frankly looks like I think how Madonna has probably always wanted to look. Oh my look. god, absolutely. Which I'm sure there's a lot of issues in that family around that subject. <laughs> <laughs> but she's written some really amazing music that was inspired by Lourdes. Mm-hmm. And I just think that this is at the for me, this is at the top of the list. I did it, my my, um, my performance that I did, my first drag performance ever was uh, to the uh, the Club 69 Peter Rahafa remix, uh, The Edit. Um, and I wore a, t- a black tube top and a black, you know, front and back panel skirt and these uh, platform fetish heels that actually broke during the performance. And I continued to dance, but they're, they've got a big, gigantic crack on the sole of them. <laughs> I know, treacherous, but this is what we do for our art. Anyway, that's number one Wait, for me. Wait, Vicky, tell us why, tell everyone why um, the remix was a little bit different than the album track. Uh, you know, during that phase, the whole Club 69 thing was happening with Peter Rahoffer, and, and, and I believe he passed away recently. Um, but um, I loved Club 69. Club 69 was the, the artist who did drama, which is in um, when Brendan and I were in college together, one of my most controversial pieces was to the song by Drama. Controversy. Yeah, song Drama called, it was very controversial, darling. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, it just had this really sort of like dark and industrial feel to it. It was really, mm-hmm. his beats at that time were really driving. He did some remixes for Cher for like Strong Enough. I remember I really liked the Club 69 remix of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they had, the, they were introducing, techno was, was turning from this sort of like mid-90s house piano-driven stuff to becoming a lot more uh, electronic and like sort of techno bleepy and things like that. And I really felt like what he did with the remix really picked it up. They actually used this remix on a, a montage that, that they did of Madonna when they brought her out to receive her a VH1 Fashion Award where she came out with a, a, a purple... Uh, a, uh, what was it? A, a purple sari, like okay. the traditional Indian garb, barefoot. Mm-hmm. They did a photo montage with the Rahafa remix of Nothing Really Matters over it. And it was, I, I saw that. I had never heard it before, and I flipped <laughs> out. I dropped one right there, like in my living room. It was nuts. So that's, not, that's my number yeah. one. Okay, so... It's so hard for me to rank. I think that I'm going to... This isn't necessarily my number one, but I think we should stay in this ray of light conversation mm-hmm. we're having. And um, I, for me, Drowned World Substitute for Love was sort of everything. The face of you My substitute for love My substitute for Ray of Light love. in general was... Um, at a time in my life it came out where I really felt like I was owning music. I wasn't just... Um, you know, sort of seeing it on TV or it wasn't just sort of coming at me, but I was seeking it out and finding it. I remember, you know, being excited about the album coming out and really like just 
diving in when it happened and um, participating, really participating. Yeah. yeah, and so it was really exciting. And even in, you know, in hindsight, as a piece of work, I feel like that entire album um, from start to finish is just a spiritual masterpiece yeah. um, and a sonic masterpiece. And I think it really um, just stands on its own in this way, where you always get the sense from Madonna that she's wanted to be seen and recognized um, as this just creative. Um, you know, uh, energy and a, and sort of a singer songwriter type and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is the closest she really came to balancing um, some really beautiful, heartfelt emotion with really um, interesting and like specific sounds and uh, music. Yeah. And it's just beautiful. Yeah, the whole album had definitely had a very cohesive soundscape yes. that William Orbit helped her put together. He sure did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ray of Light is just as much William Orbit. Let's yeah. be real. Um, but so, you know, as an opening for the whole album, um, I really feel like it's just so successful in uh, taking listeners um, on the beginning of this, you know, spiritual journey she's having and sort of what, inviting them in to go through all the things she's been going through mm-hmm. and reflecting on, you know, so many things of the, so many of the things she talks about, she's sort of poked at in her past, you know, materialism and fame. And she's always sort of poked at those things, even, you know, way back with Material Girl and stuff like that, when people didn't even get that she was trying to poke fun, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this was kind of nice because there was something really authentic about it. It wasn't trying to be ironic. It wasn't trying to be like, I'm smarter than you, wink, wink, mm-hmm. ha ha, whatever. Um, it, it felt like she was really trying to, you know, open up in a way that, was just completely refreshing. I remember it being the opening number from that Drowned World tour that I remember yeah. I told you I saw. Yeah, me yeah, and yeah, my, yeah. my best friend at the time, my, my co-drag queen with me, uh, Miss Daphne Dubois, we took a pilgrimage to Boston. A and pilgrimage? She, a pilgrimage, <laughs> honey. We stayed at a jank-down hotel. I drove my 86 Capri- Caprice Classic, uh-huh. and we stayed over in a flop house, honey. And we took, oh my we took the, you know, one of those, what, a tea line or some the green tea line to, you know, to Boston and, and, and saw Madonna, and she opened with Drowned World. Right. Yeah. And I thought it was so brave and so different to open with a ballad. I agree. And so what I think is also so interesting on that note of bravery is how, you know, the song was, you know, actually commercially released as a single around the world. Uh And yet in the United States, nothing. Why? Because somehow, apparently, um, Americans can't handle, I don't know, something real. Yeah. I think that Europe has a maturity that we haven't arrived at yet where like they can look at themselves and laugh or, or be introspective. And I think we have a hard time when we're presented with the truth over here. Do you think it's the listeners or do you think it's um, just sort of like the, I don't know, is it like bottom up or top down? Isn't that the question? I think it definitely think it's top down. I right. think they do a lot of stuff that they, they change track lists for, for album, you know, for artists like Ace of Base, um, George Michael, you know, a lot, Kylie Minogue, like a lot of people that we have over here and over there. And and it, it feels as though they think that I, I don't, I can't, I can't pretend to know what's going on in their minds. But we do a lot of focus grouping and a lot of like what sells and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it feel, it always feels like, what do you not think that we're smart enough or that we can't? Well, handle that's what it? I'm saying is that I think that like I think that listeners can handle it, and I think it's just really poor expectations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's very insulting. Yeah, I agree. I'm insulted. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> I, for Madonna's sake, it's like, well, she wants everybody. She raises the standard. You know, she doesn't dumb her her art down. And I'm I'm thrilled that she put this out as a single. There are a few dumb ones. Well, honey, that's another podcast. That's another list. But we're- oh my God, we should do one that's just—I mean, as fans, not right. to not to knock, but we should do our favorite missteps. Missteps. Like, <laughs> can Jimmy, we celebrate Jimmy missteps? From True Blue. <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds like okay. a blast. That's that's not in a hateful way because that's not what this is about. Never that. Oh, and but, honey, like you can you can you can talk about people and you can comment on their art and their work and still have a respect for them. Absolutely, you can be critical and at the same time still have a profound respect and I think that that's I think that that's what we're doing here on this show and especially with Madonna I think we're gigantic fans and even in the moments where we're not as as under we don't quite exactly get what page that she's on we still support her or we get it and just right and we're just not relating (laughs) because you know right we don't have a house in 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 England right and fall off a horse and Right. Have an African baby and all this business. I guess the question is, I think there's so many tracks on Ray of Light. We mm-hmm. should probably move on to a different moment. Yeah. Um, should we? I think I definitely have at least one more to throw into extended play. 
Okay. Um, I don't know if you do. So everyone, extended play is where we're going to, um, you know, share a few of the tracks that we're not going to have time to talk about today. But we'll um, put them on the playlist and we'll give you a little moment about why we included them. And um, for me, obviously, it's the title track, Ray of Light. Mm -hmm. Um, From the video by Jonas Ockerland to just being sort of the uh, embodiment of the whole flavor and mood of the album. It's just, for me, on my Madonna Top Ten of all time. Holla. So yeah, if you want to learn more about what we have to say about that track, check us out in Extended Play. I'd like to go back in time a little bit to um, to the album beforehand that I was talking about, Bedtime Stories. That happens to be my actual favorite album from Madonna. And it might be because I, you know, I'm an 80s baby and so I was going through my adolescence while this, you know, this album cycle was out. Mm. But I also just, I really connect with R&B music and this album found Madonna working with um, Dave Jam Hall, Dallas Austin, who's you know famous for working with TLC and Monica. Mm-hmm. Um, he, she was working with Nellie Hooper, um, and she actually uh, she started her exploration into electronica with Bedtime Story, which was produced. Uh, it was written by Bjork, um, which is really interesting. Um, the song, I guess the lyrics were about her when Bjork wrote the song, which I didn't know. I didn't find that out until recently. <laughs> but anyway, so I love this song. And, and we want to talk about track seven, track eight. My favorite track from this album is a song called Inside of Me. Inside of Me. flying left and right um <laughs> but but in typical madonna fashion not so subtle right well <laughs> right on the nose <laughs> right um but listen i like it used to be called I, I heard that the working title was i will always have you which is the first the first words of the chorus and i and as far as i know i believe madonna started to write the song with shep pettibone she, i think that she was starting to work with shep pettibone going into the album cycle after erotica mm-hmm. she had created i mean she started working with shep pettibone a long time ago and created we're gonna go there. Right. Let's hold off. Right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, he receive he doesn't receive any um any uh like sort of writer credit on this album, but she does thank him in the liner notes. But um I believe that she created this song with him, but then uh, Dallas Austin wound up producing it and everything. Anyway, the song has samples from Back and Forth by Aaliyah, the, the Let Me Let mm-hmm. Let Me Let Me. That's the the dude at the beginning of Back and Forth saying, Let me hear you go back. Um, which I just love that Madonna sampled Aaliyah. You know, that was her, Aaliyah's first big song. Um, and everyone, just you need to know, Vicky, if nothing else, is diehard Aaliyah fan. I'm a diehard Aaliyah fan. Like, she is like probably. A, 55% of what I like to dr- derive my personality and my look from is like her dark, mysterious look. So anybody that's going to give a shout out to, to, to Aaliyah is also like big ups to that. It also has um, a, a, a sample of the track Outstanding by the Gap Band, which is another huge 70s song. And um, t- uh, it's called Trials of Life by the Gutter Snipes, which is a, it's a rap song. Right, exactly. That's what the main beat is from. We are going very deep right now. No, honey, I, you said we were going to geek out. We're going to geek out. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. I Let's love take to us read there. the liner notes. Take and us so, there. And this Do is, it. This is hip-hop. This is evoking, mm-hmm. uh, evoking the past and disco and things like that and then and sampling it and remixing it and turning it into something different. This is what Madonna does. She takes she, – she mines from the past, takes images and, and, and sonic soundscapes and turns them into new, wonderful things. And, and the way that I listen to this song is – I read it as it's about her mother. She says, I keep a picture of you next to my bed at night, and when I wake up scared, I know I'll find you there watching over me. I think that, that that's just such a beautiful sentiment, and she uses this point part of her voice that you never get to hear from her. It's like this whisper, and at the mm. end, she whispers. She's like, I will always feel you. It's like she's having her own little personal private conversation with her mother or whoever it is that she that she remembers and will always be inside of her and i just think it is so intimate and so um so vulnerable and i love that it's nestled right there in the middle of this beautiful album mm-hmm. where do you want to go what, what do you got for me honey throw <laughs> well, down throw down well, yeah yeah so i think bedtime stories i mean there's Again, so many we love and the big ones everyone knows. Um, I think human nature, I just love.
sort of this answer to at that moment where um, everyone was really hitting her hard on her overt sexuality. Um, she had done, you know, everything from erotica to the sex book and all of the, you know, notorious, you know, things she was doing to put herself out there. And um, she was really going to put it, you know, right in people's faces about the fact that you're going to deal with the fact that I'm going to speak about things you're uncomfortable with. And that's going to mean that I'm, you know, sexual and that's going to mean that I have opinions and, um, yeah, it's on the nose, but, um, I don't know. Sometimes I think you can't leave room for interpretation. I think sometimes, you know, the, the, the sad fact is that I think in the media landscape that we live in, um, where they're looking for sound bites and where people are looking for little things, sometimes you have to just spell it out. Yeah. And drop the mic. Well, yeah, absolutely. Holla. And honey, she, she slammed it down. <laughs> um, no, I think I, I, I've been watching a lot of interviews recently and also all my life of, of her. And it always feels like the media is always trying to get her to apologize as if her, her being proud of her sexuality or her posting, uh, posing questions about, about hypocrisy or, or about, you know, about gender, about, you know, the roles of women in music and, or sexuality in general, as if she's, she needs to apologize. And I, I love the fact that she never, she never apologizes. And I also, so I, I, I find it so hilarious that everybody acts like that like they're so brand new when they sit down across from Madonna and say, you know, do you think people will find it offensive that you're wearing a bra? Or right. do you think you, like, they're always trying to back her into this corner? Wait. We always get such surface interviews. We never really yeah. get. We never really get. Well, that's because you're down. not doing it. Well, holla! I know, right? Vicky, <laughs> be on the set. It'd be a lot. We'd be like. We'd be getting real deep. So, real quick, one other thing with human nature I think we can't not talk about, and we haven't really done enough of this yet, or maybe we have and I'm forgetting, but the video. Yeah. The video for yes. human nature was everything. I mean, I think what was so awesome about it was that it was, um, you know, the lyrics are super literal, and it's not that the video's not being literal. I mean, it's certainly, she's in latex, and the hair's dark, and... Yeah, but she cuts, she's really good at isolating, like, getting really straight to the heart of, like, what the song's about, or, you know, like, what the image is that she's evoking, and, like, let's get right to it, you know, and in that video, it's like, it's black and white, they're, they're literally, they're stuck in a box, or they're being tied up, yeah. or, you know what I mean, or they're yeah. fighting with themselves in a mirror, and it's like, you can't be more, you know, like you were saying and about subtlety, you what's can't great, be too, is, literal. like, she's sort of sitting on a throne, but it's really just sort of like a cabaret chair. Yeah. It's not a cabaret chair, but it's like a little, like, side chair, mm-hmm. table chair, mm-hmm. um, but she really sits in it, like, this is my, you know... Yeah, Queen Throne, well, defiant. Oh defiant. yeah, super defiant. Yeah, I love what you were trying. To, what you had said to me earlier about how this is the beginning of us seeing her adopt also a different physical posture than we had been used to seeing her. Yeah, she had, she'd started to become really aggressive. And- well, how do you feel about that? So this is what I was saying to Vicky earlier: is that you know this is sort of the moment. It was I think probably a little bit pre you know yoga crazy that happened mm-hmm. later in the 90s. Um, but we start to see her be a little bit more restrained. It's a little bit more about poses and hard edges and some of the little bit more of the, a little bit of the flowing Madonna started to kind of wither. A bit. Yeah. I will have, to, I have to say, you know, loving bedtime stories so much. And uh, the Madonna that I always related to and always felt the most connected to, and I, having heard what I've heard Madonna say about herself, it's almost like I liked the sort of like softer, more ethereal Madonna a lot better. I mean, like, I mean, I, the example that I think of is always like, I think it was like 96 or 97 when she came to the Golden Globes after just having had her daughter. Oh my God. And gosh. her tits were so full. Oh my God. Oh my Boobs God. out. Yeah, that she dress. Just, she's milky and just soft and gorgeous. And she, knowing her and the things I've heard her say, she probably would have thought that she looked fat, but I thought that she looked full of life oh. and just so so voluptuous and it's soft a killer and moment just... and she finally got that affirmation she got the golden globe mm-hmm. which is probably mm-hmm. i mean i don't know that hopefully took a year off of her therapy bill or something i hope um. so I mean, she never <laughs> looked more beautiful and, and I, I so i the, the, the one that i always remember and relate to the most was sort of like going through sort of about 1989 to sort of like 1993 when she was going through the, the, the blonde ambition tour going through erotica and doing the doing the blonde hair but like you know she was starting to thin out her eyebrows um, and I always it's interesting that we've mentioned that in Nothing Really Matters she had dark hair mm-hmm. in, 
in Human Nature. She had dark hair, and a lot of the tracks that I yes. that I that we talk about, yes, yes, she, yes. she went toward a darker uh, like um, uh, and it's like she went back to her roots. And mm-hmm. they're they're track seven or eight. They're the more personal, mm-hmm. perhaps more experimental tracks. Mm-hmm. And the ones that we really really get to, they're not the sure bet. They're not straight out the gates. This is going to go to number one club dance hit. Although they ninety percent of them did. A lot of them did. Um, yeah. It's the br- honey. It's the when she when she takes out the you know the Clairol and dyes her hair brown. I <laughs> always loving what I get from oh her. My God. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Um, What's another? Well, um, I think that we should go. I mean, just going back a little bit to earlier in the nineties. Let's go. okay. So we've got to talk about deeper and deeper. Yes. and deeper is i think one of my all time all time all time favorite dance songs it's like you have the madonna um in her what i think is her natural register it's this full voice rich tone disco heaven moment it's it's really just everything um you know it, it this is where we can really get into the shet pettibone stuff hello. um hello <laughs> um it was the second single off erotica yep and um you know, everyone I think always goes to songs like Vogue for this sort of an atmosphere that happens. But I think deeper and deeper. I mean, you can't not like Vogue, but deeper and deeper. I think takes it to just um, another level. Another level. Another level. Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, so this is like 1992. So I was I was about nine years old when this song came out. And to, to be honest with you, because of all the controversy with the sex book and with body of evidence and things like that, uh, liking Madonna was really starting to go underground. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, if you can ever imagine that, there was a point in time. Only I you. swear to God. Only you. I swear to God, there was a point in time where it was not cool to like Madonna for like a hot like five seconds. Your friends like, would give you an eyebrow. Dude, listen, I had I, in junior high school, I had the erotica like booklet on the inside of my locker, and people were like, "What is that?" Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You know what well, I had scratches all I over it. I had. Wait, this is great. This is a really fun um, queer moment. So I remember going on a family vacation to Provincetown. And I remember um, we went to the record store, my brother and I, and it was that um, iconic poster of her um, totally nude with a cigarette. Yes. Yes, right? <gasps> I, was, I was, frankly, way too young to be buying this. But my brother bought the poster. And, of course, you know, me being younger, I wanted to – I mean, I loved the poster. I also – if he had it, I needed to have it, whatever. So I bought my own version. And then I wanted to put it up in my locker at school because I wanted to make a statement. Yes. Right? I, I wanted you. to make a statement. But I was only in sixth grade. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it was not really okay. This wasn't, you know, this wasn't like um, putting up Jonathan Taylor Thomas on Tiger Beat. This was, you know <laughs> – this a is Madonna, Madonna. With a cigarette. But it was also like a 24 by 36 poster. And if you don't remember what your locker was like in elementary school, mm-hmm. it was not large. Was so what happened was, what had happened was, I had to keep it rolled up in the locker. <laughs> <laughs> and then my friends would come by and, and I would down. unroll it, uh, whip it out, talk about it, roll it back roll up, it back. And place it back yeah. in the locker. I remember her nipples were gigantic. They were that. gigantic. I know, I know. So that was the, that picture, the cropped edited version of it wound up be, becoming the bad girl. Um, single cover. Mm-hmm. I I bought that poster too, and mm-hmm. I put it on the back of my door. So when you, <laughs> so my my room was adorned with posters of like Madonna, Janet Jackson, TLC. Sure. Forget about it. It was it was out of control, floor to ceiling. And I saved that one for the back of the door. And that was uh, so. I during that time I wasn't fully a full developed queen yet. I was mm-hmm. still struggling with my sexuality. Oh, sure. Um, oh, yeah. Didn't know oh, yeah. I would try was. and show people that poster because I would tell them I was into right. it, exactly. you know, as a straight boy. The, the female that you're most attractive is also right. the most, like, sort of gender sexually provocative <laughs> one. And also, like, the dominatrix. Like, who's going to be the top and who's going to be the bottom in your relationship <laughs> oh, with Madonna? God. You know, so so the, the the point of the story is my mom comes in the room and shuts the door and turns around and sees it. And she's like, what is this? And I was like, what do you want? Would you rather have me have a giant picture of a naked man on the other right. side of the door? Or it's a naked woman. What do you want? She she also had a problem with in the Vogue video. You could see Madonna's nipples through that lace shirt sure. when she's when she's singing the. Oh my God! She did Heaven not forbid. like me watching the, the Vogue video. So <laughs> it was it was an act. I was participating. Meanwhile, in Madonna's all the all the group. men in that video. Oh my God, honey, no, that's where it's on at. Fire, fire. You know, Slam the oh really God, attractive like Italian looking guy. I took Do class we know from Slam? him. Who has back in the 
day, I We've know. We've all like, taken class from Slam. Tangents and asides, <laughs> uh, everything aside, I didn't know that Deeper and Deeper was was not the first single from the album because I never heard erotica right. because it didn't really it was banned I believe mm-hmm. it, they only showed it in, uh, after like, after midnight. hours yeah right and and so and also I don't know if that was her most radio friendly single erotica, erotica. No. yeah there were so yeah. many incarnations that I went through before it, we we before we got to it including yeah. the uh, the you thrill me mm-hmm. version which she revived in the confessions uh, mm-hmm. the confessions tour mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was amazing oh Wonderful. my god we'll, we'll get and there. such like a, a, a fan moment but anyway mm-hmm. the, so deeper and deeper first of all i'm looking at i'm holding the cd remember cds remember going to the store and buying cds y'all vicky has a cd or two. Oh, uh, just before. just a few kind of crates full of them so i i, I blew the dust off of this one and, and brought it today but in in i love it i read about this song that it's actually a story a, a coming out story for L, for about an like you know lgbt mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. And I love how she's in drag and on the cover of this single with a gigantic cigar in her mouth. So it's like she's she's in full Marlene Dietrich drag with these big old gaudy fake eyelashes and like a phallic <laughs> a phallus dangling from her lips. Like and so commenting on the fact that this is about a boy, like ha ha, I like guys, and like grinning at you, like from that. But everybody's hearing it as this sort of disco number, right? You know, but it's. Blatantly an LGBT song. Absolutely, like, this song yeah. could not be more any more poignant to our conversation. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I also love the little tidbit about how she was working with Chet Pettibone, who really wanted to keep this as sort of it was Chicago house, Philly dear, Philly, Philly, oh, Philly. I beg hello. your pardon, dog. Yeah, you, where, you better beg that pardon. <laughs> well, we, where we met, Brendan and yes. I met a decade ago at the University of the Arts. In Philadelphia. It's over a decade. I know, darling. Okay. I know, I know. But we'll shave off a few I'm years. still getting my heels at that moment. Um, wait, this is a great story. Do it. Go. Okay, so the first time that... I think the first time I ever saw you... Oh, this story. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, The first time I ever saw him, uh, I was in, well. in what would be my dorm for the sophomore year, but I wasn't classy enough to have that dorm yet. I was just a visitor. <laughs> the, I, I, it was the, the, uh, the, the Juniper Street dorm. Uh, the, the elevator door... Opens and there's Brendan Ranson Walsh in like a like a Caesar cut with gigantic oh, chunky God. hoop earrings yeah. and a baby T-shirt with yeah. like with a, with a picture of like the the Sacred Heart or something and angel <laughs> wings on it or whatever and I was immediately like offended and like inquisitive and I was like who the fuck is that <laughs> and I couldn't decide whether or not you were an opponent wait, or you were like my future wait, husband wait, wait, or I'm like- dying <laughs> everyone has to know that that baby tea he's talking about also had um, I had cut the sides and put in um, sparkly silver um, lacing lace- <laughs> lacing to stitch up the sides alright <laughs> and go. you wore that when we went to go see Hedwig and the Angry Inch <gasps> when it was in theaters, in theaters. oh my gosh the day. do you remember yes. that yes. so yeah that was, the fir- that was the first time I can remember seeing Brendan stepping out of the elevator and like I said I couldn't oh decide if it was it was attack mode that I was in or if I was just meeting a future semi soulmate and I think I'm so glad that it was the latter well I'm glad to know I'm team. semi so <laughs> um, why don't we also now also now give the story about Shep and the track Shep and the track okay so the the deal is is that when they're when they're making the track um, he wanted to keep it really strictly house and there there was a bridge um that was a piano, a classic Shep Pettibone sort of bridge, similarly to sort of Into the Groove, mm-hmm. which is from back in the 80s. Um, but Madonna um, had this idea of the flamenco guitar. Well, it wasn't her idea. Oh, go, go, go. Tell. Well, no, so, I mean, the, the way I hear of it is the other person who, you know, contributed the track, Anthony Schinken, mm-hmm. um, she overheard him. He's cute. Yeah. She overheard him playing some flamenco mm-hmm. on a guitar, mm-hmm. and that you know dropped the idea in her head that that's what the song needed. Stick now that keep in there. going. And it's funny the the first experience that I had with this song it was in a a, a larger mix that was being played on the radio, the radio station that I used to listen to, Kiss ninety five point seven from the the Hartford, Connecticut area, used to do these weekend sort of like long mixes. And I remember it was wedged in between the best things in life are free by Luther Vandross and Janet Jackson. <laughs> it was like a classic mix of that. 
And then on the other side of it was I'm Every Woman by, um, by Whitney Houston. And mm-hmm. this was uh, deeper and deeper. It was right in the middle of it. It was the extended Shep Pettibone version. And it was the only thing that I had on tape. It was on this like clear yellow tape. Mm-hmm. And it was the extended version. So it had the bridge with the piano. Mm-hmm. So that was the version that I was used to hearing. Mm-hmm. So the first time that I, like, I had the album in my hands and I listened to it, I heard the flamenco and I was like, what is this? Do you know what now, I'm what are your feelings about that section? I love it. I love when she takes. I love it when she takes uh, uh, something unexpected. I agree because I think the way in. I've sort of. I mean, I don't know Chef Pettibone, whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's great, but the sort of way that I've read about the story or his interviews or his comments on it, it always seems like he was a little sour on that. On that, yeah. And I get it. I mean, it's his creative vision, and it, it was probably compromised. But I have to say, I think she was right. I like it with a little bit of the Latin flair. I think she makes it work. Well, yeah, and also there's always there's always been this Latin thing that she keeps throwing back to like all throughout her career Carlos Leon I know right I mean, she she had a connection and she made the connection like um, and now she's she lives on through through Lourdes through baby Lourdes um, oh, oh but yeah the, I, I, I love that track and um, okay I, I, go ahead oh no sorry uh, it was also of note that that was the first time that she had shaved her eyebrows off for a music video which I thought was uh, yeah. the music video that also included her friend Debbie Mazar is it Mazar or Mazar I think it's Mazar. Mazar? Okay. I've always heard it Mazar. Well, but her, her friend, her Kiki, girlfriend, you have Debbie, a ruling on that? No. who she met at the Danceteria back in the day. She used to be the elevator girl. I followed Debbie as much as I follow Madonna. And I'll tell you, like, when I sat there in 2001 watching the Drown World Tour, me and my, my drag queen friend, Miss... Um, Daphne. Miss Daphne Dubois, we screamed just as hard for Donna and Nikki sure. as we did for, for Madonna, just because they've been characters in the whole damn Absolutely. thing for so long. Um, so yeah, so Debbie. Well, there's whole communities video. around Don and Nikki, well, right? Holla, I mean, holla! Yeah. I know, I know, right? So okay, I have one more off um, erotica. I mean, we can add in some more too. But the other one I want to quickly mention is Rain. Rain, I really also remember being one of those first Madonna songs that I felt like I discovered on my own. Like, it's sort of, you know, I, I saw it, and I was a young kid, and I just fell in love with the imagery and the storytelling. It had this dynamic production. It really creates a world. And I think, you know, both as performers, as, um, as gays, as um, just, I don't know, uh, creative people, I, I love... Um, the, the development of worlds and of and of those kinds of stories and maybe everyone does maybe this is cliche I don't know but I just this song to me was so successful because I just felt like she took me to a place um, and you know the video was just it was gorgeous you know it was shot in black and white and they infused all these blue tones in it mm-hmm. and she's got the beautiful microphone which became a real inspiration for me uh, later in dang. life <laughs> Holla. Um, which which Vicky actually helped me snag a, a mic similar to that a one covert operation that became a prop in every single creative project <laughs> since then as a matter of fact I'm yes. speaking on it right this moment <laughs> no and it's that's still <laughs> it, um, it, it sits in my living room uh, most of the time because it's great mm-hmm. so anyway rain gorgeous I don't know if you want to say about rain. Yeah, well, uh, you know, directed by Mark Romanek, I believe. Yes. Um, and I, I, I love what, as I was reading about, uh, I love, first of all, I love every video that he's ever done. He did God Till It's Gone by Janet Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the Perfect Drug by um, uh, Nine Inch Nails, which is also just, his stuff is just so spooky and, and um, evocative and just like really, oh, uh, Bedtime Story. He did the Bedtime Story mm-hmm. video too as well. And so the, the images are always just really striking and also like really surreal and things like that. Uh, but as I was reading about this track and the video, I loved how they commented on the fact that it's actually a video within a video. You're watching the Japanese director direct Madonna. And so even through this sort of ethereal and really vulnerable moment, there's an awareness of their being, of, of, of the idea of artifice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But even, but it's cool because it's like even through the artifice, the, the, the message resonates. Do you know what I mean? So I I love that. I I 
I always thought that she cut her hair that way um, with, with the dark hair, uh-huh. but actually, I think I, I think I learned more recently that that was a wig in the video. I think it was a wig. Yeah, too. and I'm noticing a lot of uh, being, you know, being a wig person myself. I notice a lot of heaviness or weight in the back, a little, yeah. a little bit of height that a pixie cut wouldn't give you uh-huh. in the back of that hair. But uh-huh. you know, regardless, it was flawless. It worked. I, another dark-haired Madonna moment. Let's yeah. just take another, you know, on the yeah. whiteboard. Like, Please putting another check. That's the through line for Holla. today. It's, Maybe that's the theme. It's Mad- brown Maybe hair it's Madonna. Brown hair Madonna. Yeah, well, so we like have to brown eyed girl. Though. Yeah, brown. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With a few exceptions. All right. We've got time for a few more. Give me another one. Okay. Um, listen, um, The Power of Goodbye. Oh, no, no. That's from, that's from Ray of Light. We'll, we'll we, throw that on the EP. I think How that's about a that? good idea. Okay. okay. Can we talk about I Want You? I want you the right way. I want you, but I want you to want me to. This is from a compilation album. It's from Something to Remember from 1995. It's a collection of her ballad hits. Um, and uh, well, hits and also some also not so. Well, that's what I loved about it. This was not the immaculate collection. This right. was sort of a real thoughtful compilation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, I, especially I remember reading in the liner notes that she'd come to. She acknowledged coming to appreciate a simpler way of doing things um, in in recent years around 19, for a moment. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and even in even in doing things quote unquote simply, there's still so many layers of depth and of confession in her work. You know, uh, she doesn't have to be waving her brass knuckles in your face. <laughs> to still be saying something completely like worthwhile, you should and, send her this in a letter. Oh, I, I think yeah, she needs to have it like on her mirror and her vanity. We acknowledge you. We hear you. Mm-hmm. Even in your even in your most quote unquote demure moments, you're still, you're still we actually get it. We get we get hollow. <laughs> we get it, or at least I think I get it. Yeah. I mean, anyway. So this moment, this um, uh, first of all, the title of the album, something to remember, the name of the ballad from. Um, the, the the soundtrack, well, the, the supposed soundtrack to Dick Tracy, um, I'm Breathless, mm-hmm. something to remember. Um, so I Want You is the cover of the Marvin Gaye hit that was for uh, a, an album coming out uh, called Inner City Blue, which is a compilation of his songs done by other people. Mm-hmm. Initially, this song was to be recorded by Shaka Khan in the studio, but I guess there was some complications in the studio, and so um, it was produced by... Uh, Massive attack, mm-hmm. which they were going through a gigantic phase at that. But yes. they were, they were. I believe it was still in the sort of semi-original lineup. Um, their trip hop group from Bristol. Um, uh, everything that they put out in that phase, I just feel like is is amazing. And the, the planets aligned. The producer. Um, Nellie Hooper had just gotten finished working on Bedtime Stories with Madonna and suggested her to sing the leads for this song so they brought her in and the rest is history so it was meant to be the lead single off of this album mm-hmm. um, but I guess there were some legal issues with releasing it so it wound up becoming like a promo album right but, um, but I just sad it always comes down to the money that way though because oh, it is yeah. really a great track it's gorgeous and you could I mean what must it feel like I mean this isn't a woe was me moment Madonna's doing just fine Mm-hmm. But, you know, it must just feel so frustrating when you really have a moment where you, you're working on something, you're creating it, you're, trying, you're putting yourself into it, and then it becomes this logistical nightmare where you probably at the end of the day just want to throw it away at that point. It's become so sort of, you know, yeah. uh, beaten down. You take something that's a product of so much love and so much hard work, mm-hmm. and then it gets wrapped up in red tape, and, mm-hmm. and it becomes... Studios a, a fighting over rights. Your, yeah. and, it's yeah. so ugly, and it destroys art, you know what I mean? And it's like this... this the music video that she shot for this was so there was such an a, like a feeling of longing in it she's wearing this slip she's got her hair cut and in, in, in her look at the time was this really chunky bob with with some really chunky highlights in it and things like that and in the video she's in a state of undress it looks like she's she's dealing with whether or not her lover is going to call her and she's taking off her eyelashes and there's that icon, iconic image of the uh, the eyelashes going down inside the glass of water and the whole thing's in black and white it's really dramatic, and 
Mm-hmm. Another thing that I was noting about the, about this track is, especially with Massive Attack, the presence of strings mm-hmm. in the arrangement. I really feel I love songs that put strings in the arrangement. I feel like it brings such a sense of of drama. It ups the ante. I sure. mean, there is something at risk when you hear those strings. <laughs> when you hear Seriously, a string, honey, shit is on the line. Okay, <laughs> she is in that hotel, and this is life or death. Yeah. And at the end of the video, it's interesting. She gets the call, but uh-huh. she takes it off the receiver uh-huh. and she puts it down. Uh-huh. So I I do like the fact that in that in her moment of desperation, it's such a Madonna thing to do. It's like she's like, you know what? I'm good. Well, always in control. Always in control. That's really the story. Yeah. Well, and that's her story, that and I think story. that's what she the gift that she gives to women, especially, but all you know anybody that listens to her is yeah. that you know you're not a victim. You're you're the one in control. And even in her moments where she appears, you know, she's in classically submissive poses, like mm-hmm. for example in the in the um, the burning up video, which we can talk about. We can mm-hmm. go back to that, or or when she's a stripper in the open your heart video, which we also Ugh. can get to. Let's go to that next. Okay. She, even in her moments of quote unquote submission, mm-hmm. she's still defined and she's still the one in control. Absolutely, and that's so crucial to like what she's all about. I Do agree. you want to talk about one of those? Yeah, I mean, open your heart. I think for me, I have to talk about because I think it is one of the songs that sometimes comes up in the catalog as more of the hits that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also just total perfection. You know, it's simple and poppy and catchy, and really what I think it does too is it um, takes a song that is, you know, a, a very, like, like I said, a simple sort of love story of sorts, and she takes the video and just transforms it, mm-hmm. and so it says something completely different, and different. that is, like, I think really what her real talent is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always with a lot of collaborators, I'm not just saying it's her, mm-hmm. but that, but that's what she's been able to do across her career, is really transform through the visual, and, um, you know, so in the video, right, it, you have a whole bunch of things going on. You have the, the sexual politics going on, which is great. She's a stripper in the peep show. The boy can't get in. Then there's literal, I mean, again, not subtle Madonna has cutouts of men in the window. <laughs> again, right on the nose. Um, but it's great. She has the cutouts of the men in the window. And then the whole thing goes from, you know, it, it becomes this commentary on who's really in control in those moments and how you can, you know, be a feminist and be a strong woman and also be sexual. Being a, a woman who feels sexy doesn't necessarily equal um, being subservient to men. There's 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 shades all up and down in there. Well, the, and, and, uh, there's so many things that I want to say yeah. about this. First of all, I have to acknowledge another brown-haired Madonna moment for like 30, well, three seconds right. at the beginning of That's the, what's so great about right. it, too, because anytime someone <laughs> takes off a wig, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. <Right? laughs> so the first thing that she does, it's sort of like you're wearing, like, Hedwig at the opening shot of the movie when he's got the sunglasses and the umbrella uh-huh. and the coat, and, the, and he just throws it, and it's like, oh, and we're there. You know? Uh-huh. So it's like she is in a club in the wig for two seconds, uh-huh. and then the wig comes off. What I love is that she's in a full, full coverage like full prep pixie wig, uh-huh. a la Liza Minnelli from yeah. Cabaret. Yep, yep. And then in oh, the, the next shot, this video. Wait, but in the next shot, her hair is fully blown out. Oh yeah, like yeah. there is mousse and there uh-huh. is there is aquanet, uh-huh. and the, she, so she and like it is bleached to perfection bleached and just perfection. done. It pops yeah. out that way. Yep. And honey, wouldn't it be nice? Well, I mean, that's how the world works, right? That's how the world um, works. <laughs> no, but there's so many other references. I mean, there's been books and volumes, and yeah. people have studied, you know, the Madonna references to, you know, images in the media across, you know, the 20th century for mm-hmm. sure, um, and old Hollywood. And so you have Dietrich in here, you have Chaplin, you have all of these great, um, you know, little just tiny moments um, where she's making these, you know, references and allusions that, um, you know, just, I think, really show how thoughtful she is. Yeah. Well, another thing I wanted to say is that the lyrics of the song, getting back to the song, and yeah. also acknowledging the fact that it's difficult to talk about Madonna without acknowledging the visuals, the videos that go along with it, because really she's an artist and everything that she does is such a, like a holistic artistic experience. I love what Brendan was saying about how it, her talent is really also in the way that she can take something and flip it it's in the remixes ever since like i feel like it was the girly show in 93 which was directed by her brother christopher she started she started scandal. doing scandal scandal <laughs> I, I live for him um she started doing remixes live on stage and ever since then it's been the tradition in a, at a madonna concert you're like what is she going to do with it what mm-hmm. remix is she going to come out and do with it 
Um, speaking of which, real quick, the MDNA tour, there wasn't a lot to love for many people about MDNA, but mm-hmm. the tour, she did a great version, this Bosque folk version of Open right. Your Heart that was beautiful. Go. Right, yeah. Well, and, and the p- piggybacking on that, I want to say the ultimate message of that song was that she was trying to open, she was trying to get somebody to open their heart to her, like mm-hmm. literally, and, and ultimately in the video, she chooses the, she goes off with the kid, you know what I mean? Like she chooses purity right. and sort of honesty and, and innocence, you know what I mean, over these these people that are all holed up in this in this peep show hiding you know like the the two sailors right. and things like right. that right well i think also yeah that was also sort of um it was sort of a punctuation mark at the end, a period at the end of the sentence around like, I can be, you know, in my body and sexual and also be, you know, a playful, you know, human being with a heart. I don't know. You know what I mean? It was sort of marrying those ideas together. Sure. Absolutely. I know previously we had touched on burning up. Yeah. Can I, can we go yeah. straight to burning up? Her second, uh, her second single from her mm-hmm. debut album, Madonna. Um, second ever. I think it was the first proper video treatment that we got of one of her songs. I think so too. Um, and of note about this video, well, first of all, this song it was uh, back when she was part of a band called The Breakfast Club. Um, and it started out, the, the demo of it was heavy, heavy guitar. It was a lot more punk and things like that. And she's come back to that in recent tours, which I like. I know some people aren't the largest fan of Guitar Madonna, but I just love that. I'm not a fan. Brennan's not a fan, but I like Guitar, I like guitar Madonna. I like the spirit of it. I, like I just the don't, of it. you know, but, but I don't know that she's always so successful at well, it. Well, that's how, that's how the song started. And it got reworked by the producer and it became this, this dance hit. And I love, I, I just love love the the baseline in it i mm-hmm. love that a lot of my the tracks that i tend to like also are not these um speed of light uh, 120 bpm songs but totally. these sort of mid-tempo but still dancey they've got a bounce to it and th- i love that the song it wasn't a gigantic smash but it's still so raw well, and don't, sexy and and don't you think that i think don't you think burning up is really um you know the, the mythology of Madonna in a nutshell. To your point, it wasn't the biggest hit, but I think it was very early on, it said it was a real don't fuck with me fellas moment. I'm in charge, I'm in control, mm-hmm. and I have yearning and desire and I'm owning it. It was just, I don't know, I feel like that song is really, if you wanted to pick something from her first moments that was going to project where she's going, I mean, that yeah. I think was it. Well, you, 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 you're always closing the door and it only makes me want you more. Mm-hmm. You're shutting a door on, you're telling her no, mm-hmm. and it only makes her want it even more yeah. than that. You're, you're going to you're gonna, and you have no doubt she's gonna get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna cut sh- cut me off, shut me off. You know what I mean? And I'm only gonna speak louder. And it's like it's cool how like she's adopting all of these submissive, sexy poses in the middle of the road. You know what I mean? Or in a boat and things like that. She got a choke chain, but she's the one choking it. And then also <laughs> at the end, right? And also at the end, isn't she um, always? <laughs> and also, there are several images of her with it. But that's another thing. Um, she's the one driving the car. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Her boyfriend at the time was the dude yeah. driving the car. But at the very last scene of the video, she's the one in the car. You know what I mean? Did she dump him in the lake that she's riding in the boat in? You know, where is he? All we know is that she is the sole survivor in that video. <laughs> and that, that, that sets the tone. I think that um, we should pitch this to Dateline. <laughs> what happened? What happened to that guy? <laughs> I don't know. That wasn't funny. Are there any um, other songs from that era that you felt? I don't her? know. I think we probably have time to talk about one more song. So let's really make it count. Um, I, I don't know. I have maybe, – maybe we could talk about more than one. But I, I think we're getting close. But my um, – one thing I do want to mention because we hinted at the Confessions era. Mm-hmm, yeah, um, and we talked about the tour especially is um, an album track. Again, I don't know if it was seven or eight, but it just may have been. Mm-hmm. Um, Future Lovers. Track four. Oh, so we're shoot. we're well into it, All and right. after like three singles, yeah, three single songs. So sort of the same point. 
but it wasn't a single. Mm-hmm. So Confessions obviously was a real disco moment. Um, and the whole thing was, you know, trying to marry, you know, this, these future sounds of disco with sort of the throwbacks of where she sort of came from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I loved about Future Lovers specifically is that the, the lyrics are really reminiscent of the ray of light sort of spiritual moment. She's, you know, into the Kabbalah. She's making references left and right. Um, and, and I really just, I love that. I love that kind of Madonna. Talking about spirituality over like a dance beat, but there is, but let's, let's face it. When you're out at the club at at two o'clock in the morning and you're dancing and you're sweating, you know, your, your brains out and you're, you're living your truth and, 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 and rejoicing. I mean, isn't that so much of the LG, like there's a lot of LGB experience that's wrapped up in music and the club and that experience. It is a spiritual moment. It is spiritual. You're on the dance floor and you're you're fucking living. Well, and you know? so it was so brilliant. Again, talking about remixing and transforming is she mashed this up with I Feel Love mm-hmm. and the tour and opened with it. It was so smart because it took this track that nobody really paid any attention to, but it gave it, it took it to this whole other level because you're taking I Feel Love, which I think is, you know, one of the best disco songs ever mm-hmm. done by mm-hmm. Donna Summer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's really marrying this old school disco with... Um, you know the electronic that sort of I feel love set the set the stage for electronic kind of coming in. It, it was sort of one of the earlier I think mm-hmm. disco songs to yeah, really with Giorgio Moroder. To, yeah, exactly. Who yeah. now is doing Lady Gaga's new work? Hint, hint. We'll call it work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, so I don't know. I just I think that that was just a beautiful way to open the show. It was exciting. I um, and I love that version of Future Lovers. In fact, whenever I hear the song and it's not the um, the, the the live tour version there's all these extra whips and effects and things like that that um to me are now part of the of the song the experience of the yeah, song absolutely. yeah well really yeah you don't really get to experience the full artistic vision uh, you know until you experience a live performance of it and what's done with it the yeah. visual the costume you know i i confessions uh on a dance floor i i, I really feel like it does deserve a real big mention on this list at you know like uh, especially along the lines of, of ray of light in creating a, a really tangible soundscape whereas mm. ray of light is really celestial and like you know just like the cover of the album light blue and airy you know what i mean it's clouds and things confessions on a dance floor is laser beams of like fuchsia mm-hmm. and like purple light cutting through like a dark like a dark empty club mm-hmm. do you know what i'm saying and yep. all of the tracks first of all <laughs> that's this, literally what it is this was <laughs> this, this, this album was I, I'm not, I wouldn't say revolutionary, but certainly it set itself apart at the time because uh, it was important when she was working with her producer, Stuart Price, who, who has been her longtime musical producer for mm-hmm. her tours, um, to create the idea of it being an ongoing DJ mix. And so the, the, the album goes from beginning to end in a continuous mix, um, which to me personally, it was a big fuck you to the iPod era that we were going into. Well, and can I tell everything... you, I got burned by that because I was so in love with the concept of mm-hmm. the of the single track album of yeah. the fifty six minute or whatever it was one track album the one track right mm-hmm. that I went ahead and bought that version mm-hmm. and then I was fucked over because then I was on my <laughs> iPod and I could never get to the part I wanted and I was like way. God damn it a genius way of getting of getting of get of buying the album twice which is what I, which is you know what I did <laughs> yeah well see I was upset because I don't know I like to make like for mixtape throwdown you know for back on track I like to arrange my Madonna songs, my songs by the people I love in mixes, in mixtapes and things like that. And I like to create my own segues and things like that. So initially I was frustrated because it was difficult to turn it on and listen to Hung Up, for example, without having the previous tracks. But if you were Madonna, how cool to accomplish that. Absolutely. And I think it was so successful and it really does create like a a, a really evocative experience. Uh, it's, It's such a beautiful like opus uh, like as a package yeah. that album and like totally right on par with like our lgbt experience totally i want to close out with one more Go. and it's going to be one of yours um yeah. i think mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or i know um but i think we can't leave without just saying a few words about american life, american life um yeah. because that album was just so controversial when it came out and it really provoked um so give us a little american life So, 
again, of note, we're putting it on the whiteboard. Another brown-haired Madonna moment. That really is she the is, theme. Who yeah, knew? I know. I know. Uh, um, she she evokes the like the sort of like uh, image of Patty Hearst or like Che Guevara on the album cover. Um, it's it's a per, the the album itself is a profound statement about like you know where America is as a, as a society and mm-hmm. and in the song American Life the title track which I I add to this list um, I really like the, the remixes of this of this I, I like the Oakenfold remix of mm-hmm. this track a lot and I also like the rock remix that she wound up doing on the on remix the and revisited. on the tour yeah and right. remixed and revisited yeah. right. Um, she she's she's making a commentary on on what it means to be American and and calling herself she's the she's living the American dream and the video which I feel like if if you're a, a super sleuth you can catch the reference to the song which um, video the uh, the American Life video but which version um the the original right right the unedited raw. version the raw one the one that was pulled and Madonna never at like edits herself like that or pulls videos right so you but know that was the moment we were in that was the right. I mean, Exactly. Everyone has to put this in context of, I mean, this is just post 9-11. Mm-hmm. We're about to start the Iraq war. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were all told as Americans after that tragedy, you know, to go shopping. So that's the religion of the U.S., right? Materialism, consumerism. And she's really, you know, checking that and putting it on notice. And it was a little bit of a scary time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you know something real has to be going down when Madonna pulls a punch, you know. Mm-hmm. But look at what happened to the Dixie Chicks. You know, oh look, at, look at what happened to anybody really that came came out with with anything you know uh critis- critical that mm-hmm. we, you know and and like what we were just saying about us and our relationship with madonna it's like you can you can still have respect for something and be critical of it you can still look at something from a 360 point of view and say listen this doesn't work and i think that so the the real story the controversy with the video is because it was it was juxtaposing images of a fashion show right. with with war with camouflage right. with burkas with you know p- kids getting their legs blown off and 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 the and have Heavy, um, heavy dancers, heavy models, heavy women. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Full-figured women Full and figured. things like that. You know, the, probably the more correct term. Driving a Jeep <laughs> onto the runway. Right. Um, and Large uh, and in charge. Yeah. And I, I, it, didn't, it didn't sit well with, with people, but I thought that it was like, wow, this is the final frontier with Madonna. Like we, she yeah. said a lot about sexuality. She said a lot about, about gender and, and things like that. And it's like now, now she's talking about like the, the culture as a whole. And I really thought that... The, the song itself is a little bit cold. You know, it was with yeah. French producer Merway that she produced the sec- successful um, album Music with. So mm-hmm. this is the sort of follow-up to that, also mm-hmm. after the Die Another Day single. But um, but also just, like, b- b- really challenging. If you listen to the end of American Life, if you mm-hmm. listen to that, the play out after she does the last chorus, it's all of these bleeps and, and bleps. And, yep. you know, and the, uh, his his style is characterized by these guitar samples that they, that they just chopped up and just... Mm-hmm. Beeps and you know it's really chaotic a little. Yeah, it's making yeah. a really uh, musically making a uh, creating another soundscape that in yeah. itself is making a comment on our society. In a lot of ways, it really feels like one of the last risks she took, and it sort of makes yeah. me sad because who knows? Maybe this is way you know this this could totally not be true, but mm-hmm. I always sort of feel like the the sort of the realness of having to scale back in that moment kind of like ended some of the experimentation that she was comfortable with. Although, Tell I me. will say, the, 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 the level that she flipped to, we got confessions on a dance floor. Totally. She decided that she was going to hang up her, you know, like yeah. the, the, the soapbox, and, and she's like, I just want to make the world dance. And the, the album, and Confessions she still provokes album, in that. Yeah. yeah, well, and also totally. when she went on tour for Confessions, she yeah. had those remarkable numbers with the, oh you know, do you remember the... The political the, leaders the over flags. the Sorry Pet Shop Boys remix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. So, um, so, you know, even in, her, even in her hanging it up, quote unquote, which, you know, arguably did or did not do, she still manages, especially in the live performances of these tracks, to, to really be provocative. Well, and on that note, you know, we've got, you know, we've got a few more, I think, that we can throw onto our EP and then put up on the Spotify playlist. So we'll go ahead and do that. And this was so much fun. I had such a great time, Brendan. We are going to uh, take a little bit of a moment to sit back and, and reminisce about a few other things. Coming up, we're going to be maybe doing um, gay anthems, which is going to be a blast. And I'm a super excited. To um, what else are we going to be doing? Uh, we are discussing maybe some girl groups. Oh, yeah, the girl groups. Oh, girl groups and sexy. Because really, that's where it. That's, that's where really it, what this is really all about. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you next time, everyone. It's been a pleasure.
If you like our show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are hot. And if you really like our show, we'd love a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter at Back on Track Show, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and all of your favorite ways of time. <laughs> we love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and check out all of our Make Say playlists. And if you're outraged that your favorite track didn't make the list, visit us at www.backontrackshow.com and let us have it. You know, we'll tell you what we think, honey. All right, we're done. Peace.